Sergeant Angel. Morning, the swans escaped. The swans escaped? Yeah. Right, and where's the swan escape from exactly? Uh, the castle. Oh yeah, and who might you be? Mr. Staker. Yeah, Mr. Peter Ian Staker. P.I. Staker, yeah. right. Piss Taker, come on! Yes, Mr. Staker, um, we'll do everything we can. Can you describe it to me? It's about uh, two foot tall, um, long, slender neck. Yeah. Kind of orange and black bill. Anything else? Wait, it's a swan. Are you telling me that it's 8.25? Precisely. Yeah. I'm late for school. You know, I have one simple request, and that is to have sharks with frickin' laser beams attached to their heads. You are asking me to be rational. That is something I know I cannot do. Well, whatever it is, it's got to get by us. Right. Go get her, Ray. Ooh. Welcome to another installment of Get a Load of This Movie, a franchise movie podcast. Um, as always, my name is Corey. Hey, what's up? I'm Cole. I'm Zach. And Zach, guess what? I did something really special for this particular episode that I think oh, you're yeah. really going to like, and I worked really hard on putting this all together. Guess what we're doing? Can you guess? An episode on Hot Fuzz? No, well, it is about Hot Fuzz, but I put together a guest for us today. Oh, you put them together? You put them together? (laughs) I worked so hard, day and night. I, You know what? I'm just going to let him introduce himself. Guest, can you please introduce yourself to our adoring audience? I would be happy to do that, Corey. Oh my gosh, what a a sexy voice. Don't ear fuck the audience, guy. I'm sorry, Zach. Can you take that out? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Okay. Can you go? C- continue. Continue. Right, I mean, you're welcome to interrupt me before I get to my last name. Uh, I am Sam. Second time appearance on the show. Big fan. Mm-hmm. Love it. Uh, and I'm excited to be here to talk about one of my all-time favorite films. What a tease! An all-time favorite, ooh, an all-time ooh, favorite. Film. I'm, I'm pumped. I am very pumped. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, you know what? Let's just get it straight into it. Cole, let's kick it off with the green light. I don't know the future. I didn't come here to tell you how this is going to end. I came here to tell you how it's going to begin. So development on this movie started all the way back in 2004 after they got done with Sean. Right and Peg, they wanted to write a cop film for the UK because in the UK, they don't really have a tradition of cop films, you know? It's more like, as Danny does in the movie, he learns what cops are from, you know, watching American cinema. It took Wright and Peg eight months to write this script. They watched 138 cop-related films and 50 interviews to find inspiration for dialogue, for action sequences. Because this film, what it is, is more of an homage to cop films than it is a parody of them. Um, but the writers wanted to include Frost immediately. And Nick Frost had one condition, that he come up with his character's name. And the name of Danny Butterman was born. <laughs> from that um which i think is the perfect name for this character i mean we're gonna get into it but no character is better named than good old danny butterman uh 
They spent the back half of 2005 looking for a town to shoot the film in. As we know, it's a small location. Uh, That's a pretty key filming. detail, you know. I mean, it's good that they found if, – if, if this is all filmed in one town, I didn't do the research on it. I don't know if, if they, like, spread it out. But if the, the fact that this town is so integral to the plot and, that you know, there's so many different locations in the town that you visit a lot, I, I guess – the location scouting for this one seems like it was probably like one of the most important parts of the pro. I mean, it's always important for movies, but like even more important for a movie like this. Yeah. Especially because the town is the film is about going from the big city to this town. Uh, anyway, it was filmed in 11 weeks. Sean was shot in nine, but this was a much, this was a little bit bigger. I mean, Estimated $16 million budget. That's a $10 million budget increase from Shaun of the Dead. So a way, by scale, way bigger. Um, and it grossed $80.7 million. This film was a hit with critics holding a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes and is actually higher rated by fans on Letterboxd with a 41 Sean holds a 4.0 on Letterbox. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah, big step up. This isn't like the Bond films where we were going from like 4 to 2 to 3 to 2 to 4 again. <laughs> 4 to that- 2 to 3 to <laughs> 2 to 8 to 5. <laughs> Your to delivery six. there was fun. Uh, All right, but keep going. W- Peg and Wright, they do like to keep the same cast, but they also included new actors. That began with Jim Broadbent, who uh, won, played Frank Butterman, Danny's father. He won an Oscar in 2001 for the film Iris. Um, Patty Considine. Um, Corey, played- you know who Patty Considine is? This was on Final Jeopardy last night. Um, <laughs> oh, you know him. You know him in something recent. You know him very well in something recent. A show. No, she One was season in a... of a show. No, it's a man. <laughs> Patty That's is a man. Patty, Patty is, is, a is a man. I was thinking of the, the lady cop. We'll get to her. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Patty Considine ooh, in this ooh. movie is one of the Andes. Uh, but he's in a oh, show yeah, yeah, that you know yeah, very yeah, recently. I know. No, we, we've had this conversation. He's in House of the Dragon. I don't remember having this conversation, right, but that I'm glad is. that we did. You, I, I remember having this he conversation. He is so damn fucking good in that. He is so good in that show. He's so damn fucking good in this. I mean... Oh my gosh. He I honestly guess. is. But, yeah. We're going we to also, a capital E on this episode. I always click the... Ex- they, they give me a little option when I like upload episodes onto Spotify. They say, is this episode explicit? And I always say yes, and I wonder if that's affecting our algorithm. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should start lying because like, she's really checking See this, if you, you can know? like underline it this time or something. It's probably why you guys have such high viewership. Yeah. yeah. That's very true. I saw that we were ranked number one in, in movie franchise podcasts in the St. Louis area, specifically the county. We were, for especially on uh, Tuesday releases. So right. we could do it good. Yeah. But now we release on Thursday. So well, No, not really. That's that's you know, that if that happens, it happens, but it's still it's supposed to be Tuesday. Sometimes I'm just a busy little bee. And I just can't get it out in time. <laughs> Such a busy little bee. Uh, you know who else is a busy little bee in this movie? Timothy Dalton, who plays Simon Skinner. He's just a slasher of of prices. I mean, 
Good good segueing <laughs> is good podcasting. Great yeah, that was good. That was smooth. Cool. Keep it going though. This yeah, is did well. that qualify? You know, this cast is so much bigger. So I wanted to highlight these first three actors, and then I wanted to highlight someone who's so much bigger now than probably. Ooh, I bet all, I know who it is. All of the faces in this film, and th- that would be Olivia Coleman, who plays mm-hmm. PC Doris Thatcher. Uh, she's uh, she says uh, a couple of things that double give entendres, us, uh, yeah, Innuendos, double entendres, if you will. Give us your favorite yeah. one. I've been around the the station a few times. Is the the first one she does, but that that one is very very. Oh, actually, never mind. The one at the end when she goes, "Who doesn't mind a bit of girl on girl?" That one's really funny. <laughs> when yeah, she slaps that, that knocks out that one woman. <laughs> that one's really good. Um, but we also I mentioned him in the last movie, and I'm gonna bring him up again. Rafe Spall plays the other Andy, and he him and Patty do a great job playing off each other in this movie, and they're so funny. Um. So, but, so the, the the man's name is Patty. Yes, one of the Andy's name is Patty, but it's with D's, not not T's. I- incredible, absolutely yes. incredible. But um, that is all for the new cast. I mean, Corey, is it time? Call sheet. Does Harvey know about you and his little bunny? <laughs> Where are they? Killing is making a choice. Where are they? between one life or the other. Your friend, the district attorney, or his blushing bride to be. Call sheet. It's the you know, call sheet. You know, actually, I want to say, did, I don't know if I've ever, did I ever explain to you what a call sheet is? Or do you guys just kind of go along with it when I said, let's call it the call sheet? We just went along I with just, it. I just, I, you you show me the path and I close my eyes and We're I follow. Sheep. Okay, we let, me take sheep. This, let me take this moment to give a 15 second clarification in case anyone was like, You're, they're just making shit up now. Um, so all our segment categories are like, you know, parts of the movie making process and then, and then what happens after in terms of like green light call sheet, you know, action, you know, and then, you know, review section and awards and all that stuff. Post credit scene, um, the call sheet is what gets sent out, uh, on any day of shooting. When you're shooting anything, the call sheet will be sent out to cast and crew and will let each individual section of crew or cast members know exactly what time they're supposed to be there. Thank you, Zach. That was Where awesome. I was confused. Yeah, I know. You guys were like, oh, I don't get the drop. I was like, well, it works really well. It works really well because he's even asking, where are they? You know, he's talking about like, they're supposed to be here. You know, like that's, I don't know. Whatever. Go on. Just do it. Welcome to the call sheet. This is a little, it started out as a trivia, but now it is a game portion of the episode. And I have been going on a little tangent where we have been doing new game after new game after new game. And I could feel that you guys are just spiraling. You know, there's too many to keep track of. So I think we're going to cap it here until next week when we do another new game because I got inspiration again for another new game. But today we're going to go back to a classic one that everyone likes, and that is five degrees last time we did this was on the barbenheimer episode and so today we are doing it again we are connecting one actor to another going movie to movie actor to actor um sam do you understand how this game works i can explain it really quick you look look pretty confused I, i think part of it was i just had criticisms for how it ran last time but that's a personal and we have problem. A better, we have a better way of running it, okay? Mm. So I am going to give every single person 10 seconds. Sam, if you would like Ooh. to participate, you are more than welcome to. I think Ooh. we should. 
We should. But have I'm gonna Sam let. It, I'm gonna. I'm gonna let. Leave it up to Sam. They didn't call um, me Sam DB for nothing. That's right. They call you that Sam all the time. DB. Uh, okay. Sam so what? how it's gonna work? Sam database, Let's, as in like IMDb. Cool. Yeah. We are starting with Simon Pegg, and we are connecting it to Daniel Craig. Okay, we're going back to James Bond, which we just went through. So we're going to connect Simon Pegg to Daniel Craig. But this time, since Cole won last week, he gets to decide whether he wants to start or if he wa- if we want to switch it and we want to start with Daniel Craig instead. Ooh, let's so start we, with Daniel can, Craig. Let's so you want to start with Daniel. with Daniel Craig. Zach, since you lost last week, do you want to start? Or I'll go second. Would you like to? I'll go second. You want to decide? Okay. So you'll go second. Cole, you decided on switching it, so you're going to go last. Sam, you're going to go first. And what we're going to do is we are starting with Daniel Craig now, okay? So you have to pick Daniel Craig and then pick a movie he's in um, and then an actor from that. So you're naming the next actor out of... I, am, I, am I doing that right? Yeah, I feel yeah, like the yeah. first yeah. No, you are. I follow. You are. And you have to name the movie, and obviously you have to name I the movie. I follow. Yes. Okay. So, in the a actor. second, name the actor I have to get all my with. stuff up we are starting with daniel craig give me a no wikipedia in there sam yeah i'm not wikipedia anything okay okay i already have all my connections in my head so just don't divert from my plan i just want to say since this is called five degrees there is a five degree path to get from simon Pegg to daniel craig or daniel craig to simon Pegg. okay everyone good sam your 10 seconds starts now skyfall naomi harris skyfall naomi harris zach you're going second go pirates of the caribbean dead man's chest naomi harris okay cole oh sorry cole you're up um i'm gonna go Kira Knightley. From, oh, Pirates of the Caribbean? Yeah. Like the first one? Which movie? Which one are you talking about? You gotta say which movie. Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. Okay. Same, so if you're doing the same same movie, (laughs) isn't he supposed to switch movies? No, Zach did the same movie. What are you talking about? That makes no sense. No, you keep the same actor, you can switch movies, though. That makes no sense keeping the same movie. You can go Kira backwards Knightley, in movie. Jack Ryan, Shadow Recruit. Okay. Okay, guys, we are going at extreme pace mm. right now, but I am on it. Sam, you are up. <laughs> Is Tom Hart? I have no idea who's in that movie. You you diverted sorry, from I'm my sorry. obvious path, so. Is it okay, Zach now? Skip. Is it Zach now? Zach's I'm, up. I'm passing. Yes. It's it's over already. Start. I'm I'm taking uh, Chris Pine from from uh, Fuck. that movie. Fuck. I'm taking Chris Pine from that movie and going to Star Trek with Simon Pegg. Game point and boom. Sinker, buzzer, Kobe, whatever you want to say. It's fucking over. Shortest call Absolutely sheet of all time. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely incredible performance by Zach. He got it in, I believe that was four connections, so he got it even faster than what the title suggests. Zach's the winner once again, Cole and it is now 11 Cole, Cole to threw five. a layup. Cole threw a Cole, layup. You threw me off. You were supposed to go it. to the first Pirates, and then I was going to take that to Star Trek. So here, here's the path that I had. 
Here's the path that I had laid out, okay? So since we were starting with Daniel Craig, it was gonna be Daniel Craig and Michael Shannon and Knives Out, and then Michael Shannon to Margot Robbie, Robbie in Amsterdam, Margot to Ewan in Birds of Prey, Ewan to Rebecca Ferguson and Dr. Sleep, and Rebecca Ferguson and Simon Pegg in Mission Impossible. Incredible job, yeah. great job all around. Fast pace, love it, action. There's always some random girl who gets a call that undoubtedly ends up getting her killed. It's also predictable. There's no element of surprise. You can see everything coming. <laughs> Did that surprise you? <laughs> now shut the fuck up and watch the movie. Alrighty, I guess it's my turn to talk, huh, guys? Okay, oh, so. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's Zach time, baby. I'm scared. No, no, please don't. No, it's, that. I, I don't have too many notes. You know, I, I never. I really usually come in here with some pretty bare bone notes, and then we, and then we vamp off of them. You know, um, so obviously, like Cole was saying, this is less of a parody of cop movies and more of an homage to them. Even if it does point out some of the sillier aspects of cop movies, but it, it's it points them out, but it also embraces them at the same time. And I think you see that with obviously Simon Pig's character, Nicholas Angel, takes being a cop very seriously. And what I love about this movie is that over the course of the movie, Danny rubs off on on uh, Nick, Nicholas and then vice versa. And they both repeat things that each other says in different moments, which I really appreciate. And by the end of it, it becomes a full on action movie where they're embracing the cliches. Even even the guy who took it too seriously is embracing it by the end, like with Simon Pegg's character. Uh, so I guess I, I guess my opening question to you guys is. Do you believe this works as a satire on cop movies or buddy cop movies or even action movies in general with you know in the same way that Shaun of the Dead works as a you know homage or satire on zombie movies Cole go ahead well I think it works in that way similar to there's this film with Arnold Schwarzenegger and it's called the last action hero and it's like a character he plays comes into the real world and he can't seem to let these tropes to which he was bound go. You know, like, if it's PG-13, he can't drop an F-bomb or something like that. He can't kill anybody. He can't get shot. And these tropes are something that Danny finds himself bound to. Like, you see him when he's talking to Nicholas. Have you ever, like, fired two guns in the air whilst, like, jumping sideways and... He even does the thing from Point Break at the end of the movie where he's like looking at his dad run away and he fires the gun in the air like Johnny Utah did, which great moment just for the movie because even You're talking like, about Point Break a, or Hot Fuzz? Uh, the homage to Point Break in Hot Fuzz. Mm. Have you seen Point Break? Yes, I've seen Point Break. Do you like Point Break? I do like Point Break. Have you ever fired a gun while watching Point Break? No, I have not. What is going on? That, I was doing it. That's I was what doing Danny does. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it works in a way that it's about this love of cop films. That's why Danny is the way that he is. That's why he's got this his own like criterion collection of mm -hmm. American action films because this is who he wants to be. And he believes that's who city cops are. Like when Nicholas says, 
have you ever been stabbed? And he goes, like, I have. You see Danny light up like it's Christmas. They put a cash register sound. They timed the cash register sound right when he, like, looks at him at that moment, too. I noticed it, that. But it's really good. It's sound not mixing. like he's, like, thinking, oh, it's cool you got hurt. It's like, you're who I want to be. And mm-hmm. that's what makes it cool because Danny's goal in this movie is to be a better cop and therefore it means like actually being a real cop, not being this hero that you see in movies, but he still emulates them in such a way that it's so funny and it's really sweet. And it's this great homage to these characters. I'm sorry. I'm droning on. I don't mean, no, no, no. I'm going to, I'm going to jump off what you said really there before I pass it to either one of these other two guys that we have on here. But, uh, what you had said, Oh yeah, that he was trying to be that, action cop or whatever a good cop so he idolizes that that lifestyle and he wants that excitement and i think it's it's makes sense in the context of where he is you know he's the son of a cop but they live in the most boring place in you know the entire uk it seems like you know where there's no action at all it is the village of the year though i know they well they did one village of the year they're a great village but we find out that that's all it's all a lie but for and but it, and I'm a little confused on how much Danny actually knew about it. Obviously, he didn't know they were killing people, but it, it appears though as though he knew that they were doing something a little, you know, seedy the whole time with the NWA, the Neighborhood Watch Alliance, not not you know the the rap group from the '90s. It's I'm just saying like it, the, Danny as a character though I really I like how much he looks up to to Nicholas, and I think their friendship, which is a very big contrast from you know the Sean and you know, Ed relationship from Shaun of the Dead, which I appreciate that they tried to make it as different as possible. They don't just go back into the kind of slacker and then, you know, even more of a slacker, you know, archetypes that they had there. They, they definitely shake it up here and make Nicholas the exact opposite of Shaun, you know, as a character. And then, you know, Danny is definitely, Dan, Danny's not as different from I, like his previous character as, as Simon Pegg is, but I think it's definitely a, a distinct and different enough dynamic here with these two different characters that that it's works and it's fresh and they're not just repeating the same gags uh sam what are your what are your thoughts on you know nicholas and danny as compared to sean and ed as like the change there oh yeah what do you like about them what do what do you like about the change you know anything like that your thoughts on them um well i mean the first thought that i have about nicholas and danny is the way that they wrote them and i it's possible that they actually did um do it this way with intent or maybe through rewrites, but it almost feels like he was written both as the cliche buddy cop, you know, partner, and he goes through that. But it also feels like he was written as the love interest, which we don't have in this movie. And there are some beautiful moments in the movie that seem entirely sentimental, where they're playing the hokey music and it's playing over... um, whatever dialogue the two are sharing together. Um, and I, so, I, I feel like that they made it that way with it. Yeah. Yes, Cole. Well, I was going to say, so this was something I watched, like, I love watching breakdowns about how great this movie is just because I really love this movie. And the way the film was written, there was a female love interest. They cut the female out and they gave nice. the dialogue to Danny. Well, there you go. Yeah. Wow, I did not so, know that. It's still, but it still works. You know. Well, dude, thank God they did that because this movie is already pretty crowded. I don't know how they would have fit in 
a love storyline. And then and it works because because that relationship is so strong between him and Danny. It's a great friendship storyline that we have here, and I appreciate that they they committed to that instead of doing a you know a whole romance between Nicholas and whoever it would have been. I I don't know. That would have been. It's hard to imagine a movie with a, a love interest in here. Yeah, well, and I mean, the cliche in a movie like this is probably, you know, he can't get his head out of his work and, you know, he loses his first relationship to that. And, you know, what is it in almost any comedy or romantic comedy? It's the next interest, the lead leading lady um, or leading partner who is going to be the one to help inspire that change. And he realizes, oh, I love this person for that. And I, I think he finds that in Danny. I mean, he was, he was even... Um, Buying the Japanese peace lily. I mean, he, he, it's very sentimental it's in very their cute. romance. Yeah, oh, and he—he he is a stoic person. Um, Angel is, but then Danny opens up that tender side to him. And I, I think compared to Sean um, and um, what's his name again? And Sean, Ed. Ed. Yeah, Ed. I mean. They already are kind of set in those ways. Maybe this is what they were, you know, back in their university days. And he, he's kind of hit that other era of his relationship with him as a best friend where, okay, you've just kind of fallen into the mundane routine. You're living and you're not pushing yourself. And I, I think the way that the two, like the relationships counter each other is very effective here. And I appreciate well what they are in this movie. Well done on uh, saying university instead of college, Sam. That was uh, for, for the UK. I know what they do the U- in the Euro. Yeah, that was good podcasting right there. That's that's good podcasting vet technique. Uh, Corey, good what do you podcasting think? podcasting is knowing what they call college in Europe. You know, I, I always true. say that. That's true. Corey, do you have any thoughts on them? Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was, I, I was kind of uh, thinking off that first question that you asked, and I know this is kind of backtracking, but it, uh, off of we if love this is like a successful... Well, if this is like a successful satire on buddy cop movies, you know, it's like just in general. Mm. And so I, I, I've been kind of like, like thinking about that. So I, I apologize if we don't want to go back. We can. We could just no, no. Go ahead. Go if you have something to say. Do it. I kind of want to dabble more in that conversation. I, 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 well, Cole kicked off and he said that he thought it was good satire. And I, I don't think that this is necessarily a satire. Well, I, yeah. I, I assume that's what they were going after, but I, I don't think it was successful in being a sole satire of it. Cause you see that a lot in Shaun of the Dead and you get those coming across very well and it's very well received. But I think at this one, I think this is more of just a straight up buddy cop comedy in general. And I don't think that satire necessarily fits in it. And I don't know if that's, Okay. Bad or good. I think it works for this movie. I, I think if they would have tried to be more satirical with it, it would have taken a bit away from um, the sincerity that Danny had when he was like be like talking to Sean about his experience. And I kind of I really like as you were talking about Zach, like the dynamic that they have is so uh, good, to wa- like so interesting to watch, just because it is very different from what they had in Shaun of the Dead where you're just like oh they're just messing around with each other but this one it's it's so clear that Danny's very sincere with what he's saying and you like cheer for him that way and so I I think if it would have been more satirical it would have taken away from that which would have taken away from Danny's character which I I think that would have been a mistake so I I'm gonna say it's a failure as a satire but I think that is a good thing for the movie in my opinion Ooh, ooh, I like like that that. all right Sam go ahead Well, I, I don't know if I would call it a failure in satire. Um, 
because it does point out tons of cliches in, I mean, all these movies that Danny, the character, loves. I mean, they're, they're tropes that if they were done with the sincerity of those movies from that era, we would probably be laughing at them now because you don't make movies like that in 2007. But they are still made with that sentimentality and love in a, a tribute form. I mean, it's more parody than satire, I guess. Because it's not a harsher commentary, ooh, ooh. but I, I do think yeah. like they, they hit the, the the double guns, the jumping in slow motion, the the high speed chase, the guns to the air. And, I mean, every <laughs> I mean, one high of those speed things chase over silly things, things though in this movie. They're you know? they're satirical, but they're called out and used so lovingly that it, it does work in this way. That's yeah. what I was gonna say. I think like it it was more of a tribute to that than necessarily satirical commentary okay. on it. Just because like that moment when he sh- when Danny shoots the gun in the air like out of he it's like he can't it's shoot his dad. He can't take yeah. himself. Yeah, but it's like so good and it's like so impactful because it's like oh he's like out of frustration he shoots it in the air and I was but watching. But you can tell with my he's mom, living his dream though at the moment. He's living yeah, his dream I, at the I, exact same moment. He's but, embracing it. Which okay, but it's also good... very like it's also a very emotional moment when he does that too. So I think that's what I'm saying. Like it, I, I guess it's not like necessarily a failure with satire, but it's I I think it, it's more of a tribute of it's, the it's buddy cop job. I have a I have a good than necessarily a satirical commentary. If it's not that's a satire, if it's not a satire or parody, it I I don't know what you would call scream to horror movies slasher movies specifically, but could you say that this is to buddy cop movies what scream is to slasher movies except just more yeah comedic yeah. or a little what, bit more comedy uh, the band ween is to music yes right okay. the band ween I, is very I good can't. we're not getting you two started on ween that, that's a different that podcast like that's a, a whole different podcast i could fans, I, you know sam we could start a ween podcast if you want buddy if you think we can find the audience i think we could do that so okay, but i have a question for you guys so would you consider that still satire like uh, what scream is to the horror like satire because I don't think it's necessarily it's meta. It's meta satire is the word that sums it up because this is also meta they acknowledge other buddy cop movies and they acknowledge the tropes of buddy cop movies it's, it's self-aware satire but it still tributes it, I, I think it more tributes I think that's it embraces the word and I would acknowledges. Settle. it embraces and acknowledges is what I would I yes. would say uh, yeah I mean the characters in scream are a lot harsher on the tropes than these guys are on the buddy cop tropes. So I will say I I did want to piggyback off that. We talked a lot about the satire. Yes, it's not a satire in the way the film was written, but the production is a satire of the way these films are made. If you watch these action sequences, this was like peak Michael Bay. When you think about it, and he talks about Bad Boys 2 in the movie, think about the action sequences. Is there like at least a 10 second action shot? No. Wright uses cuts like so quickly, and it's so funny because you know at the same time while he's paying homage to these things, he's making fun of them. He's making fun of the way they're made. I think, yeah, that's a good point, Cole, because I think you can think something is silly and still love watching it. I mean, I catch enough shit for, you know, the obscure, maybe lesser in quality horror movies that I watch and I enjoy them, even if they aren't up to par, you know, and other with other movies or whatever. I, I still find things to enjoy and I love I love the tropes and all that. And you could say that 
this movie embraces the buddy cop versions of those. I mean, one example of like satire, parody, and homage, whatever you want to call it, I don't know. Um, the fact that they they take uh, you know the absurd action that happens in these movies. And then they acknowledge that there would be an insane amount of paperwork to do after all of these, you know, and they, oh they have like, God. they have like a badass edit of, of like them doing paperwork, you know, like, then it's like, we have a lot of paperwork and then they put the cool music on and we have quick cuts of them doing the paperwork, which I think is really funny. That happens a few times, you know, I think so. I mean, yeah. I, I love that aspect of it. It's really clever. That's clever humor. And, and, and just honestly, as a segue off of this topic is those quick edits and that type of humor, it's more clever than like, it's not definitely not, it's not like a gross out comedy, which, you know, not coming down on gross out comedies. I love gross out comedies. I love frat boy humor. I love all that stuff. This is not that this is, you know, really meticulously written jokes that are clever and crafted and set up really well and then pay off even later. Some of them. So it's just, and as a comedy script, I think it's written exceedingly well, just like Shaun of the dead is, and I think that's part of the connective tissue that binds these movies is like they are edited the same way. The humor is very similar, just in different genres. You know, I mean, they're both comedies, but, you know, they're embracing zombies and then they're embracing cops and then they do sci fi in the next one. But the, the, the humor, the way they write the humor is the same. And along with the actors and, and returning crew, it, that's part of why this is a spiritual trilogy. You know, and they also get a Cornetto like they do in Shaun of the Dead is why it's called the Cornetto trilogy. Um but uh, Back just to the as, station as, as, now. <laughs> yeah, the brain freeze. Yeah, him getting a brain freeze was really funny. Um, in general, with the comedy in this movie, I will say that I do think this is overall a funnier movie than Shaun of the Dead. Uh, so I, I, I don't really know how to you know segue into this topic cleanly, but I guess it, anyone thoughts on how funny this movie is? Any any funniest <laughs> moments? Sam, go ahead. I mean, maybe just to kind of piggyback off the point you were making, and I think this is why it is one of my all-time favorite movies, especially comedies, is, as you said, meticulously written. I think there is a new payoff every single time I watch this movie, and the older jokes that I have caught don't get any less funny. I mean, there is something referenced, you know, in the beginning of the movie, whether it's a quote, a line just something seen off screen and you're wondering why is that there i mean it is all intentional i mean most recently um i was watching and they just kept cutting to the sign um i forget at what door or store that just says no more than one no um, more one children allowed at a time at the shop yeah and then of course that pays off in the final action scene when Angel has all the school children go inside and attack the woman who's firing at him with a rifle <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, the buzzer goes off like a million times in a row. Yeah, or the the quirky moments like Skinner um, staring at Angel with his devilish grin, and right behind him is just the exact same smile and a photo of him against the wall. I mean, those are things that I just can't laugh or. Or quotes from the Andes, you know, everyone in this town has guns around here. Like who? Farmers? Farmers' bombs? And then, of course. You have an action scene with a farmer and his mom, both, you know, firing the out of the rifle. farmer screams mom as soon as Angel kicks him in the face. Yeah, that's, like, that's great. Yeah, and then he kicks the mom in the face, too. Now, honestly, the, another example of that, another example of that, what you're talking about, Sam, is, uh, and I know that you know it because we've talked about it before, is just the, 
Uh, oh, should I start with everyone? Should I call everyone in the bloody phone book? Yeah, make a call to Aaron A. Aronson or whatever. And Aaron A. Aronson's the kid. <laughs> and then at, at the, the very end, he goes, "Kid, you did good." That little kid that's at the model village, and he goes, "What's your name?" And he goes, "Aaron A. Aronson." <laughs> it's just like <laughs> he's like, "What?" <laughs> it's just like it's so funny to me. That that yeah. payoff is so good because you're not expecting it at all. And it, it kind of reminds me of Arrested Development in that way. Like the, yeah. every throwaway line <laughs> Very comes back here, with yeah. some intent. Good so comp. there Good is comp, one like little line at the beginning of the movie that comes back, and it's like a throwaway like shot. He said, "Like they ask him, how's the hand? Still a bit stiff. Still a bit stiff. Still a bit stiff. That's how all like the higher ups greet him." The reason Skinner's able to get the upper hand on him is because he grabs his wrist and he like twists it back a little bit. Wow. And why does it hurt so bad? Still a bit Still stiff. stiff. Wow, Cole. You see, I didn't even catch that. Good job. That's good, Cole. Good active watching, Cole. Very good active watching you know, from you there. I, I do this for the greater good, you know? Oh. Greats are good. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Greats are good. <laughs> Very also, nice. my favorite payoff. Um, what's like a seven-letter word for like dictator, fascist? Oh, the fascist. That scene. Three-letter so word. Funny. Three-letter word for old lady hag. She hag. screams at him, fascist. He shoots the plant, knocks her out. Hag. She the way she goes, fascism, wonderful. <laughs> you know, it's so funny to me. And, uh, yeah, go ahead. That's Corey. also you the dangerous part. Like right? This this movie is just incredibly quotable. I mean, we could easily just find ourselves repeating any quote from this movie for the next twenty minutes. Well, that's good podcasting. Is is quoting uh, is just being like, remember that, remember quote, that. <laughs> quoting hot fuzz is good podcasting. Speaking ahead, of Corey. good quoting movies, I was going to say my favorite comedic moment from this uh, was when. Danny was like, oh, did you say you didn't say anything cool, like cool down or in the freezer? And he was like, cool no, off, but cool and then he, or cool off. And he was like, no, I just kind of I just kind of walked away. I didn't say anything. And then he was just like, oh, but actually. And he like recalls like I did <laughs> oh, say what, what did he say? I can't even remember. He said playtime's yeah. over. And he goes, you're yeah, off he's the like, fucking I, chain. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. And then he, he says that. I was like, oh, my God. That was really good. That Because that was the relationship paying off, too. It was just like, oh, my gosh. It was. I thought that one really hit. Well, I think, oh, I think another big part of the comedy is, uh, or one of my favorite aspects of the comedy here is I think the Andes are both hilarious. Uh, I think any scene with the Andes is funny. You know, they're, they're against the main character, but anytime they're in the scene, you're almost like rooting for them because they are so funny together. And all their lines just, you know, they're snappy and they're, and they're just, they, both of those actors, Ralph Spall and then Patty Considine or Considine, whatever it is, so either way, both the, of them, the, their chemistry the, is the, great. And then I would, I would watch a spinoff of the Andes. If I, if they, if they made that, I would watch that. So the peak to that for me personally is when they're uh, talking to Nicholas and Danny about George Merchant. And then they start to walk away and then Patty comes back into the shot. Like you can see <laughs> some come the, back in. That's one and of the funniest shots Ed, I've ever seen. Edgar has like a drum beat play when he comes back into the shot. That is, yeah, cool. I know exactly what you mean. It's like, how do you script that? That's like, that's like a type of comedy that you just, I don't know how you write that into a script, but if you're on the day on the set and you come up with it or while you're storyboarding, that is just so 
funny. Like, because why would he even do that in real life? Like, why would he like give him a look, walk away, and then just come back and give him the, and then just come back and give him the same look? <laughs> it's just like that's so it's so funny to me. And that's just and what I brought up the Andes for is, like you said, Cole earlier, this is a bigger movie than Shaun of the Dead. It's so many characters in this movie, and you think that it would overwhelm the movie. And you know, I'll I'll bring the question up in a bit. Maybe it does get a tad overwhelming. But all the characters, I feel like, are really well realized, and you really develop this town, and you've built it in a way where it makes, like, you have a good sense of what's going on in this town. You know, you have so many different locations that you visit. You have a good idea of the interactions between people and how people live their lives here and what they do. I, I really, really appreciate how well they world build here and how they make it feel very lived in. Uh, yeah, Sam, uh, thoughts on Sanford as a setting and the characters within it overall? Well, I guess you could count Sanford in this, but I, I think one thing that I just, we, we have to discuss, and maybe you plan to get to it later, in which case, sorry for me for uh, jumping into it, but part of the way Sanford is written and the way the plot is structured, I think the biggest payoff that we haven't discussed is how they have crafted such a well framed um, mystery. I mean, that is one element that we haven't even really jumped into, and that actually could be more tied to Scream than anything else. I mean, you do have a serial killer on the loose, and the entire time you're trying to figure out why, and you're piecing together this all-powerful case, and then Sam, you just find out the entire reason that they're doing all this is to win Village Sam, of the did Year. They catch the, did, you, did they catch the killers, then? I think like that might be the most quotable line for the movie because I feel like that's the one that all of us have been saying even through high school was just like no like catching them killers then you know or like it's just the one killer actually it, you know it always like, changes though like good good no luck, luck getting that homework done then blank. yeah it's just the yeah, one homework just, <laughs> just I mean, the one either way though like the the way that Angel just goes through the entire monologue of why is Skinner our most likely of suspects. And then you find out, okay, it is Skinner, along with everyone else in the town, for the reasons that are just the pettiest Ultimate, and silliest. Yeah, so oh, she funny. did have that annoying laugh, or he ruined the Sanford citizen with his typos. Yeah. The way they all repeat it, like at the when they're doing that monologue at the end, at the at, with the the meeting of the NWA, and that anything they say, the the group just repeats. It's just like yeah, crusty well, the greater jugglers. good. You know, well, yeah, greater good is like greater the good. One, but they they re, they'll repeat like annoying laugh. No, I'll be like annoying, and then like crusty crusty jugglers. You know, like why do they talk like that? It is so funny to me. Like so, there are silly spot, uh, like parts of this movie, but it never feels like it takes you out of it. It feels organic. Like another example is like when they are confronting Skinner, and he goes like. They're 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 like oh you killed the competition in cold blood and then he's like no I welcome competition anything to energize my workforce and then they all turn and like the entire workforce is just like watching them from a window right there just like they're all just standing there just watching the meeting and it's just like bland and blank expressions yeah they're just like blank expressions it's like it never takes you out of it but it's so silly and so funny Uh, the whole Simon Skinner Timothy Dalton is Simon Skinner 
all his he's puns. He's so fucking funny. He's so fucking very funny. Very fun. Just so obviously a bad guy. That is so funny to me. Just every line he has is just so ominous. Just like the line when he's like, oh, I'm sure if we bashed your head in, all types of secrets would come pouring out or whatever. Or just like, and also part of the humor I love is that there's like a silly, there's like almost like dad humor to it with like some of the puns with like, and you sometimes you just don't even pick up on it until you watch it again. Like. Uh, when Tim Messenger gets killed, and by the way, I love how over the top his death is when, you know, the, the church thing falls on him and he's like stumbling around with that thing like into his body, into his head. Um, but like he he wins whatever contest they're doing and because they like called his number and then the, the priest goes, which by the way, the priest is the, Corey, do you remember what the priest is from? What the one other movie we've covered this year? Oh, this year we've covered it? Well, I mean, is, well, is, is it's the only Charlotte- year we've had the podcast. Uh, he's a big, big role in a movie we've already covered. One movie, but he's the villain in a movie, but the priest character. Very charismatic, though. Yes, very charismatic in the movie he's in. What franchise? This movie was oh, just that'll all make right it so easy. You. He's the bad guy. He almost takes the main guy's girl. I don't know if Here, she would have done Zach, it, but he's Zach, he's very flirty. Can I give him a hint? Go ahead. You said this movie was just here for you. Oh, oh my gosh. Gave it Which away. one was that? Oh, oh my remember. God. Do you even remember what podcast you're on? Do you even remember what you <laughs> say on here? Oh my gosh. I remember. What was it? It's on the tip it, of my tongue. It came out in 1981. It came out in 1981. <laughs> the only movie we've covered on this podcast that comes out in 1981. Oh my God! Oh, Corey. oh, he's the he's the guy in uh, Indiana Jones Belloc, or he, the Raiders yeah, of the Lost Belloc. Ark. Yeah, yeah, he's Belloc. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I but okay. What I was saying See, is when he calls when he calls Tim Messenger, he goes, "Tim, your number's up." He like yells that out or whatever, <laughs> like right before he dies, and like you have Leslie Leslie Tiller, the gardener. Uh, when she's about to leave, like, cause he goes in there to buy the peace lily for Danny and she goes, Oh, I was just about to pop off, but I'll do this really quick. So it's like, Oh, about to pop off. Cause she like sprays her blood everywhere after she gets stabbed in the neck. Uh, you know, like you have Skinner being like, Oh, he'll be in bits in the morning talking about, um, you know, George merchant, you know, the guy who blows up. It's just, so it's so many like jokes like that, that I really appreciate. Even they're just so silly. And it's like a macabre sense of humor that I really enjoy, which honestly is a bit of a segue because the horror element into this movie, it's like, it's a buddy oh cop movie, God, it's so but good. you, it's like also, I'm not going to say, Oh, it's a slasher. No, it's not. But it's like, you have that element in there because you have a guy, you have a, a masked a masked killer killing these people and you watch these scenes and me personally, I'm a little, I think the scenes where these people actually die are just there to show you that it's happening and I don't think they're directed with any sense of like interest in making it scary, A, scary or B, like any tension really. Um, so I guess my question to you guys is, do you guys think it would be more effective if we didn't even show that they were being murdered and we were like just there with Nicholas also speculating that maybe they're connected or maybe these weren't accidents or do you think it's better that we see it happen? So I think it works to see it happen just to, so Frank has basically convinced this town that accidents happen, you know, and it's really funny, like the way he does it, you know, because Jim Broadbent is so he's so funny, but also in a menacing way. Um, he 
the way he has these cops convinced everything's an accident works out better because we see the murders happening. I don't know about you guys, but Sam, like, how do, how do you feel about it? I think it works better because we see it happening. Well, my, my two thoughts on this are it works better that we see it happening from a comedic stance because of the reasons you just listed, Zach. All those lines that they were saying right beforehand and then to watch them play out, I think just set it up for that over-the-top nature that just makes you laugh even more. Where if we didn't see it, I think you're almost changing the tone of the movie because you're relying too much on the investigation at that point. And I, I think the, the conspiracy becomes more heavily rooted and heavily emphasized. And I, I think that, to me, would change the tone of the movie too much. If, if he's Ooh. actually questioning the entire time and, and we're not sure, but instead we know as the audience that the, the town is just freaking mad. And to be on the same line as Angel at this point is, I, I, I think it works better for this film. I guess uh, a question I would have then, okay, if you want to show these murders, these murders, do you think, would you have preferred that they come out like they are, where it's very quick usually? Do you think it would have been detriment to the movie or improvement if Edgar Wright had chosen to direct these scenes with more tension? Like, I'm, th I'm thinking specifically of like the first kill. Which is like I'd, the the couple at the theater where pretty much they hear a knock on the door, they open it, and then they're, it's immediately they're sliced or whatever. You know, it, it's just directed. It's directed with style. You know, there's cool editing and on all that. But do you guys, you guys think it might have been effective if they made it like more scary? I th I think it works perfectly in this way because it's you know yes he did just come off making a semi horror film in Shaun of the Dead, but it works better as these like action movie off-screen deaths basically for the other characters like i think we're focused more on the mystery here and that's why it works to just be quick there is not much time spent with any of these characters for me to really worry about them and dare i even say root against them in these moments i mean especially the uh the the acting couple i mean she did have an annoying laugh, and you're kind of rooting against their demise. So I, I, I don't think you want to... Maybe drink to their demise. Maybe drink to their demise. <laughs> this is what Skinner says. It's yeah, so, so over the top. I, I think making it quick works, because really, you're here for Angel's investigation and the conspiracy more than you are just watching these people get tortured. I mean, the, the setup works. I mean seeing a merchant in the house I mean and especially the way it kind of cuts back and forth between Angel and Danny and then his demise kind of being orchestrated um, but I, I don't think you really need much more than that for any of these and there is enough tension in the um, Tim Messenger one on its own already uh, Corey what did you think you know oh, the death can you scenes. take the tensions out of these and it makes it work better or do you want more tension no, see, with the action, I know we've had like a couple of like, how would you have done it? I, I don't think that changing it would have been, I don't think there's any need to change any of it. I don't think there's any need to like, oh, I would have done a little bit more here or a little bit more there. I think because we have, we kind of have this where a mystery turns into like, we know that someone's involved and then it kind of grows and grows and grows. So we see like the house explode and then we see Tim Messenger. It's, I, I, I think 
um how it builds up on each one works for me and i I don't think there was any need to like kind of stretch it out where all of them were a certain way or all of them were like kind of a mystery so i i don't know i i feel like i don't really have too much to add to the section which i'm kind of i i apologize for but i i kind of appreciated how we were led down the path of the uh, it's all for the the mysteries it was all for the greater good in the end it all worked out you know no one was sad you know to Nicholas coming to Sanford, there's this kind of culture shock, and then you get the first scene of him and Danny in the bar, like the first true scene of the buddy cop bromance like being formed. And they have this sweet conversation, and he goes, like, what made you want to be a policeman? And he goes, officer. And he goes, what made you want to be a policeman, officer? And Nicholas, he cracks this, like, cute smile. Like, he's yeah. like, oh, this this guy's being sweet, but he's also, you know. I know making, exactly what you're talking about. I do. I even thought making, today how much he, I love that he, smile that he does he's there. He's making fun of me in a way. And then he talks about the pedal car. And then Danny finally gets a laugh out of him simply by saying, like, he's like, what if you would have gotten a puppet? And then Nicholas or you would have been a great, you would have been a great Muppet. You would have been a great Muppet because he says that he wanted to be Kermit the Frog before he wanted to be a cop. Yeah. And it's Mm -hmm. so, it's so sweet. And that's why I think the crux of this film is, which makes it so good is it's about this really great bond between these characters forming and that's what works for me okay and well that, okay i no no you're fine i have a question though just going off of what you said there cole is yes their relationship provides some heart of the film but i think you know not to i, I guess i say not to show my hand i am showing my hand here but not to show my hand for like when we do the series rankings of this trilogy next episode but I think why I prefer Shaun of the Dead more than this movie is I think just the heart of Shaun of the Dead, I feel a bit more in that than I do here, even though that this relationship does work really well. Um, I guess my question is, do you guys prefer the like do you guys pref- like comedy aside? Do you guys feel the emotion of this movie more or less than Shaun of the Dead? Well, if, yeah, for me, I, I think that's a tougher one to answer just by the nature of the two type of movies. Shaun of the Dead is a movie where characters you're rooting for, their lives literally are on the line. And I, I mean, I get it. They are in this one. But it's not necessarily that type of movie where in a zombie movie, you're expecting a kill count. So that just means the stakes are higher. And when you lose someone, you lose them. And that's just tougher to watch. So I, I think the weight is there in Shaun of the Dead more so than it is in this one. But... I don't know. I, I think there's something to like seeing a character warm, not necessarily grow as a person as he does in Shaun of the Dead, because Sergeant Angel already in this one is incredibly competent, where Shaun was the furthest thing from it. And the you fence see thing him, is, you know, the, is the best way to illustrate that, too, the fence bit. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, having watched this movie the first time after watching Shaun of the Dead, that to me was one of the biggest laughs and a beautiful wink to the audience i mean was it two two flips or three three good hops and then a a flip over the final one and then danny running right through the fence which and then he looks back at the camera because i I read that nick frost like you know he ran through that fence and broke it and fell and then did the look back 
just to make sure that the audience knew it was actually him that just like just ran through the, the fence yeah. completely which yeah, is so such that, a funny scene like what did he think was going to happen he just ran right into it <laughs> you know, but yeah, that part was great but I, I, I love just watching Angel emotionally grow in this one in comparison Embrace, he embraces all the things that Danny was saying earlier. He starts doing the one-liners, and he he's, he embraces the action hero element of it because he's about to—he's going home defeated, and then he at the convenience store, he turns around and sees all those cheap action movies on the DVD, and the guy's like, "Can I do anything else for you?" He's like, "No, I have to do this myself." And it's just like that's so—that's <laughs> that is really funny to me. So I I do agree there that I do love the progression of Nicholas to start embracing the cliches. Of his of his responsibilities, I do like that. Another thing I want to bring up, before, like just to end this section here before we move on, is if I did have to throw a demerit at this movie, and How I'm curious you. to what you guys think. I'll kill I, you. you know, I got you know, it's I'll good podcasting. You. It's good podcasting to bring up something if we see what we think. Maybe you know maybe something that we could change. Uh, may your head fall from your shoulders. You know, for, you be struck from my shoulders demerit. for such disloyalty. Um, this movie is two hours, which, you know, for a comedy, that's long, but you could say this is an action comedy. So you get some leeway there. Do you guys think that the climax, the action climax goes on too long? And I bring that up because you, you, I mean, you go to every location and you pay off all these other characters, which I I appreciate, but also like even beyond that, you have the, you're paying off like the, the C mine. And you blow up the entire station with that whole bit with Danny getting shot at the end and the fake out is Danny dead. I am of the opinion that that last bit, that epilogue bit with Danny, like the explosion at the station and and the, the gravestone ending is not necessary and kind of is a you're putting a hat on a hat. It's a bit it's a bit too much at the end, but I'm curious what you guys think about that, about that stuff. I was going to say, I think that was my biggest gripe with the movie, just that it felt like it had two endings where we kind of wrapped up the main storyline and then we had like almost another storyline go or not another storyline, but it's like, oh, wait, we have one last thread that we need to tie with a bow. And it just felt oh, it really felt unnecessary. Uh, but I did like that we because we went through that, we did get to see that Danny did or not Danny, that Angel did get um his cottage and so he's still living there and he's like settled down completely and not in a hotel so i did like that little thing um i guess there were the, but there had to have been another way of going about that instead of having to um blow up the police station him having to fall over danny's body and just like pray that he's not dead and then we finally see that oh no okay he did survive and they're living happily ever after together you know um i think that that was my biggest issue with it but at the end of the day it wasn't even that long it was only like five extra minutes um so it wouldn't have cut that much time off it it still would have been just about two hours so i don't know if that would have made the movie all that much shorter and i don't know if it being too much shorter or it like sacrificing the length a little bit was worth getting to see uh angel at the end kind of actually settling and getting that conclusion because you don't actually know you know because he does have that offer on the table and you're like oh but this way you get to see like he's definitely there so i don't know if it was worth it definitely my i i I didn't like the double ending that it felt like it had so i think i would have taken it away and you would just kind of settle with him getting hit in the head with a trash can or something and then you're like hey and then it kind of ends there i don't know yeah 
Sam, you got any thoughts on the, the ending or the cold climax in general, I guess? Uh, I'm more or less in agreement. I mean, I, I welcome the payoff of everything. I mean, that's part of why I love this movie. But if you were asking if there was a rewrite where the mind was somehow worked into the high intense part of the finale and we could make that happen, I would definitely say yes. I mean, it, yeah. it does seem like, okay, this, this cuts away unnecessarily and then we go right back to it. And the implausibility of that explosion that they make too. That, yeah, that, 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 how big of an explosion it is in, in the fact that everyone survives. I get it's a comedy and we're doing a satire or, you know, I, we had that debate already, but like that's when it, that's, I don't want to say it loses me again. It doesn't lose me, but it's just, that was a, it, that was a bit too much for me. That's my biggest demerit with the movie. Um, Cole, do you have any like final thoughts on the climax of the movie with all the shootouts and, and then the, the final ending? So I'm going to say this, you know, as as we've said, this movie is sort of a romance. And yes, it is an homage to action films. So not only does Nicholas have his happy ending with his, you know, his best friend, his buddy, as they're driving off to... I can't even remember what the last call was, but it was something ridiculous that they had to turn like the siren on for, for it to be a little. It was epic. it was some hippie types. It was some hippie types are messing with the the recycling bins, <laughs> or something like that. And he goes, "Leave it with us," and they hit the siren and start speeding toward it. That is so funny to me. <laughs> but I think we don't realize the death fake out is a big thing in action films and that was like their little last homage and they hadn't done it the entire movie so i welcomed it you know i thought it was funny i thought it was sweet how they were giving like his mom flowers and you know i i do have one last thing i want to talk about but i mean i i think it works it doesn't stay too long for me when i watch this movie i I'm never thinking about the time. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's the best way of putting it. Yeah, no, no, I'm a not... good movie, a movie with good pacing. A movie, I always say that a, a movie being long is never the problem. It's never a movie runtime, it's movie pacing. That's and that's also, how you have you to judge know, a movie. This isn't a Damien Chazelle movie. The guy doesn't have to be super depressed at the end of the fucking movie. I'm I I just, you know, let let somebody have a happy ending now. I'm, I'm you fine just made me that. want to watch La La Land, yeah. Or All right. you know, Babylon. You got first oh, man. Well, yeah, that's Babylon. I actually Whiplash. first man is my first man is my blind spot still. I've seen the other three of his movies, but I've not watched First Man. I do, I do got to watch that. I love Ryan Gosling. All right, I think we need to move on to uh, the award season. Apparently, they straight off course, and we're fairly certain they're in guerrilla hands. So why don't you use the regular army? What do you need us for? Because some damn fool accused you of being the best. Well, Zach, you never answered my question. Do you think this film works better with a villain as opposed to, like, do you think it was a good transition to a villain? Well, yeah. Yeah, because cause cop movies cop movies need... I don't know. I don't remember the question, you asking it, but I'll answer it now. 
I do think I think cop movies need a villain. Yeah, I don't think I think zombie movies. The villain is always just zombies, unless you have a human character who's being a bit of a bitch, you know. But yeah, you have for a cop movie, you need a villain. And I guess you could say he's the head villain. But honestly, the memorable villain for me here is is Timothy Dalton, Simon Skinner. And you know what? I'll just go ahead and use that as a transition for my MVP of the movie. I'll just say Timothy Dalton. I will say. I will just say Timothy Dalton, the Simon Skinner, is so funny to me with his over-the-top performance as a villain here. Even before you know there are multiple villains, it's so implied that he is the villain that you almost assume that he can't be. He is so funny in this in this role. Class act in this movie. Uh, I'm I'm big big fan of Timothy Dalton in this movie as Simon Skinner. I'm not gonna not gonna do a whole long spiel about him, but all his little puns about being a villain before you officially know he's a villain just make him so so funny to me. So whoever would like to go next, Corey, who's your MVP? I was gonna pick because uh, I, I I don't think there was enough from any of these guys individually to make them like a character that I could pick as my MVP, but I'm going to pick like the uh, supporting cast of characters in the town, the police station. Whoa, that's all encompassing. So, so you're taking the entire Samford police department. Well, uh, yeah, but like not, not Danny, not angel and not the chief or whoever it was like the main, the Frank. not, not, I was going to pick them because every single time they were on screen, I was always laughing. One of my favorite parts. And like, just like we were talking about with the Andes, they were so funny the entire time. Doris was really good. Uh, I, I just really liked the entire supporting cast of um, the police station. So they are going to be my MVP this time. Sam, you can go before me. Uh, that's obviously Sanford's. It's obviously Sanford's most wanted. The Swan. <laughs> it's a swan. Yes. I could pick any character or actor and sign off on them being my favorite. But for me, it has to be Simon Pegg and um, Edgar Wright for writing this script. They just wrote something so damn funny. And I, I really think this is a movie where, I mean, we've been quoting it throughout this entire podcast. I, I don't think there's one moment that is just like, that is my favorite. It is just... From the start to the end, consistent, funny, and again, something thrown out in the beginning, be prepared for it in the middle or the end or multiple times, and the payoff will be there. And I think it's such a well-crafted screenplay that they are my MVP. As writers, so if, if you want to pick him as, a, as an actor, well, he's all yours. Um... I'm going with the man, the myth, the legend, Danny Butterman himself, Nick Frost. Yeah. Just because he's a little more likable to me in this movie than he is in Sean because he's really kind of bringing Sean down. Not saying, like, I don't like him in that movie. I think he's really funny. I think the bits he has are, like, really sweet with Sean, like he is in this. But you have to look at it like this. Like I said, Nick Frost came in, and his character supplants the love interest. It takes the place of the love interest. And he goes with it in stride. He's so smooth. He's so funny. The word affirmatron is now in my vocabulary just because he says it in this fucking movie. I mean, he's so good. And also, there's 
there's the endearing moments, you know, and they hit a lot more for me in this movie because it's a friendship we see develop. It's not like Sean and Ed where it's like, I've known him since primary school, like the little bit of exposition they give there. No, we see this naturally develop and it's this like cold hearted cynic in Nicholas Angel. His heart is melted like butter by a guy with the name of butter and it works so well. It's so funny. And I mean, I've, I can't say enough about how much I love this movie. Yeah. Well, tell you what, Cole, I'll, I'll even give you a, I'll give you a nice segue into our next section for the review section where you can talk about how much you love this movie as you give your final rating. It says that they insist on outside opinions. What kind of opinions? Well, you're kind not to put too fine a point on it. I mean, let's face it, in your particular field, you're the top minds. I always go first. Um, I told everybody last week I wasn't giving Sean a five for a certain reason, and that's because this is my five in this trilogy. I don't think there's a bad scene in this entire movie the production they chose a small town and it works so well for a cop action film it's sweet it's funny all the characters semi endear themselves to me even simon skinner in the terrifying way he does i mean everything about this movie to me from the writing to the camera work to the cast to the direction it is legitimately just the definition of perfect to me and like i said i can i could sit here for hours and tell you everything i love about this movie but we only got a short amount of time and i want everybody else to talk about how much they love it too so who's ever next go this is for the greater good i or- hated this movie <laughs> so enough. Go ahead, Corey. Oh, okay. I don't know if I'm okay. <laughs> I was gonna give this movie. I will go with a four point two five. I definitely really like this. I like this more than Shaun of the Dead, because um, I think I gave that a, I think I gave that three point seven five or a four. Yeah, that was, it, harsh. It was somewhere around there. Corey's That's where I settled. Low but with these movies, wow. But I'm gonna give this one a four point two five. I was laughing throughout. I was cheering for the characters throughout. Um, I already talked about why I, I liked it. I, I talked about. Um, the how the comedy can sometimes or it it leads into itself and makes it more endearing and you're cheering for the characters more than you're making fun of what they're doing so i'm gonna settle at a 4.25 okay sam uh you can go ahead i am going to fall right in line in cole's camp and give it that perfect five out of five star rating um i mean We've said enough about this movie. I don't think I could hammer that exclamation point any further, so I'm going to just leave it to the number. Oh, very. That's good podcasting. It's also good podcasting, Sam. I will go ahead and give this a four and a half out of five. Again, I'm on the interval system. I'm 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 locked in in that way. You know, of my own of uh, on my own accord. You know, I do that to myself. Four and a half out of five, as opposed to the five out of five I gave Sean. And I think part of it is a. I was always destined to be more into the horror aspect of Shaun of the Dead with the zombies, but B, 
I think I prefer the heart and the character dynamics between Sean as a as a you know a hero in that movie than I am to Nicholas Sagel as an overachiever here. And you know that relationship with Danny, while it is very very good, I love that. I think I just I, the, the the really the relatability of Sean and Sean of the Dead mixed with like you know having you know th- those feel like more relatable characters to me in that movie than it does in this movie. And that's not a demerit to this movie. It's just like that's just a product of what what each movie was trying to be. I do agree with everything we've been saying the whole time, and I'm not going to go on a, you know, I'm not going to rephrase everything we've already been saying. But yes, this movie has a lot of what makes what I love about Shaun of the Dead, which is like the the cleverness and the writing and the comedy, and there are good action scenes that are entertaining. And I love how vast of a movie this is, without it being overwhelming with like like I said earlier, with how how lived in this town feels and how you have so many characters that you really don't mix up with each other either. They don't blend into each other, most of these town folk, and you you go to so many locations in this movie without it being sprawling, you know? I really appreciate that aspect of it, and that that's, you know, you can't take that for granted. That's not an easy thing to accomplish as a writer and director with Edgar Wright here and Simon Pegg. Okay, moving on to the post credit scene. You're still here. It's over. Go home. Okay, so this is where we talk about what's coming next. We got the third and final uh, movie in this quote-unquote trilogy, in this Cornetto trilogy. It's World's End. So we've done zombies with horror. We've done cops with action. And now we got sci-fi. Now, Corey, you said you haven't seen this movie, right? Am I am I correct in saying that? I, I still have not seen this movie. I'll watch it. What? They're coming off Prime September 12th. I, I know. I will be watching it probably tomorrow. I believe I will be watching it. I took a couple of days off work, and so I think I'm going to be watching it tomorrow during the day. You need two days to watch World's End. You need. You knew you needed that time to really, really I, I knew sit I there and it. simmer with it. I'm going to sit there, and I'm just going to stare podcasting. at it. Just like that. Going to write down every line so I can Sam, it during Sam, since you're show. not on this podcast regularly, and you will for certain not be on the next episode... I will Whoa. use this. You can use this as a as For a certain. small small little platform to say your thoughts on World's End if you remember them. Whoa, Sam, I, you can come back on if you want. To. <laughs> I am honestly um, in the camp of those who've only seen the movie once, and it's one of those that I really am eager to rewatch. I remember not liking it as much, but I think part of that is just because the first two movies in this trilogy are both essentially perfect. And I wasn't on your previous one. Shot of the Dead is also a five out of five movie for me. I think it's just, you know, 1A, 1B. And for me, this is 1A hot fuzz. Um, but no, I'm, I'm eager to listen. I'm eager to yell at you guys in my car when I do. Um, we love that. But yeah, I'll, I will be watching it soon. Corey, you're right. The fans do interact with us. That's right. Sam is one of our number one fans. And he is, you know, he is now our first two-time collaborator because he was on the Scream 4 episode, which you can go back and listen to on our feed on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, if you so wish. Oh. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. Oh, my Um, God. Look at at this. (laughs) So we love Tim McKernan. Okay. uh, So... (laughs) (laughs) Yes, World's End is coming up next, and we'll talk all about that next week. Uh, anything that you guys have watched this week? We'll start with our guests. Anything that you've watched recently, Sam, that you want to promote or plug that you just think is really entertaining that you want other people to watch? Or vice versa, if you watched it and you thought it was dog shit, you can go ahead and say that as well. 
Not really out of things that I've watched, but I will plug something I've been reading lately. And actually, I should say rereading. If uh, any of you people are graphic novel fans, I would love to recommend the hit series called Saga. It is a sci-fi space western. Think of like the best parts of Star Wars and then take out your favorite parts of Game of Thrones and just mash them together in a bowl. And you've got something wonderful. Oh, and a little bit of uh, Romeo and Juliet. Just, just stir that all so, together and then drink it's it up. Is it basically how uh, Zack Snyder is advertising uh, Rebel Moon? I don't give a fuck about Zack Snyder, trailer. so I have no idea. Whoa. Honestly, let's Whoa. let's calm down here. We don't I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I do like Zack Snyder. I like him. Guys, we don't kink shame. We don't kink shame and we are I'm kidding. That was harsh. I like Dawn of the Dead. Now, I'm actually a big fan of his Watchmen movie. And you like the Snyder Cut, yes? I do like the Snyder Cut, but I haven't really bothered paying attention to Rebel Moon at all. But well, go read I'm Re- excited um, to talk about Rebel Moon once we get there. And you should finish Saga. Rebel Moon 2 and 3. I do. I like Saga. I actually have read the comic book series Sam was talking about, and then I stopped reading it because it was unfinished, and I didn't want to get to an end point where I would have to wait for years for it to be finished. I was like, I'm just going to read these graphic novels when the entire saga of saga is finished. You know, pun intended. Well, I get a so, new issue every every month now. Yeah, well, that's cool. I think I just have, I just don't want to run into a George R.R. R. Martin scenario where it's a story that doesn't get finished and I've already committed so much of my you know emotion to it. And that seems to be the case there. I, I'll, I'll bet my left nut that that, the Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire book series does not get finished. Um, Corey, anything you watched this week that you want to talk about? Um, I mean, I've, been, I've kind of gotten to a pause on my Star Trek adventure. I've finished mm. Josh four will be of the series. Well, I, I just need a break. I, I finished four of the series. I watched Deep Space Nine and Voyager back-to-back, so that was a lot of Star it's Trek. A lot. All that is a lot. So I just, it's a lot. It's a lot of I just need to. I, I'm not done. I'm just taking a break. I'll get back to it. And I also started a little bit of Enterprise. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not, I'm not a huge fan off the bat. I've so heard that's the that. worst one. I've heard that's the worst one. Um, yeah. So I'm. it's kind of hard to get into. So I think I'm just going to take a break because I think that's what it is. Uh, I started watching Ahsoka today. Ooh. I know. Oh so my God. I, uh, I, I don't have an opinion yet. But the first episode made me want to watch the second, and that has not been the case That's very often. That's usually a good the, sign. With, with the recent Star Wars shows, it has not often been the case. Why don't you like so, Andor? Good. I, well, oh, I did Andor watch Andor. so damn good. Love Andor. But I'm just saying the majority of the Star Wars shows have not inspired much hope from one episode to the next. So, I, so this, this is a new hope home. for you. This is a Dang. new hope for you. I got there and first. So uh, this well, one—that's just because your internet lagged. But. So I don't know if that's good, bad, more of the same. I don't know. But first episode, I was a positive, so I will take good. it with that. And yeah, that's all I did. Cool. What I you got? Much else. Uh, I got into. I I went into documentary mode this weekend, so Whoa. I watched uh, BS. I watched BS <laughs> High, which. Um, if you guys have ever heard of Bishop Sycamore High School, it's um the story of that. Basically, just this really fucked up story about um sick this this con man dude who can at one point they show you he convinced 
50 kids to sign up for $20,000 PPP loans, which were small business loans given to, uh, <laughs> given to people during the COVID-19 pandemic, small businesses. Um, it's really sad because these, these kids' credit scores are basically fucked. They got evicted from hotels because of this guy. I mean, it's, it's really sad. Um, and then I watched Swamp Kings, which is about the, Urban Meyer-led Florida Gators. It didn't go as in-depth as I wanted it to because there were a lot of guys on that team who just we we know them now as like these big figures in life such as Tim Tebow, Cam Newton, um, Aaron Hernandez was on that football team. I mean, just all these big figures, and they didn't really dive into that. It was more like the winning games aspect of it. I didn't really... You know, I wish it got deeper, but other than that, it was really good. And then I also watched The Offer, which is mm. about the making of The Godfather. Oh, I, I was I really that. just binging, like, based on a true story. If it was based on a true story, I watched it. Um, but The Offer was okay. You know, you see these real-life figures brought to life. Um, Justin Chambers was actually really funny as Marlon Brando. That was something I really appreciated, but the show was a little clunky altogether. Cause you're yeah, I remember to... I remember that being promoted, and then I didn't remember hearing much hullabaloo after it it came out. It, you know, they try and balance these two stories. So, like the way the film got made, they had to ally with the New York mob to get it made, and it kind of shows what position the New those York are good allies to have. At that's that that's how we got this podcast made, man. Yeah, we have to mob, we baby. have to make sure that we say nothing bad about the New York mob who are great and lovely people, you know. Yeah. Um kind kind I, gentlemen. Yes. I watched have any of you guys heard of the Wes Craven, director of four of the six Scream films which we covered on this podcast. Uh his so. film The Hills Have Eyes. I yes, watched I've the original Hills Have Eyes. Man, oh man. I came in, I didn't expect much because I, I, I knew that this wasn't regard. I mean, it's a popular film in horror history, but I wouldn't say it's regarded as like a classic in horror history or anything like that, or at least like not like an all-time classic, like his other movies like Scream or Nightmare on Elm Street, or even having the impact of his Last House on the Left, which was like his debut big horror movie. So I went in with low enough expectations that this movie shocked me. Like, this movie, like, actually shocked me with how disturbing it was. And, you know, I'll, I'll even admit that I was legitimately scared. I was actually scared watching this movie, which does not happen much, you know, for me lately. Because after a while, you just kind of get desensitized when you watch all these horror movies under the sun. This movie actually scared me. It is disturbing. It is very unforgiving and mean, which I appreciate. So, the original 1976 or 77, whatever it is, uh, Hills of Eyes... I, I do recommend it. It's not a perfect movie by any means. I would still give it like a 7.5 out of 10, probably nothing more than that, because it's, it's got a few flaws that I would I would have changed about it if I could go back and tweak a few things, but it it did its job. It, it had me pretty... It had me a little shaken up by the end of it. So the original Hills of Eyes is a good, good, disturbing, you know, desert set horror film from Wes Craven. Let me know when you watch the actually, remake. That's a fun one. Yeah, I've heard the I remake's actually, pretty good, too. I actually had a movie that I watched. It was a little indie film. Oh, I can't remember exact. I think it was like 
Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. Um, <laughs> you will never believe what they did on this small budget, man. Uh, <laughs> Dude, that's where I Prime drew the line. Saying, that's where I, I hit my buzzer. Optimus Prime, like that's where I times. hit my my franchise buzzer on on, on that one. <laughs> I remember you. Oh, you know what? First. You know what? Let me. Should we should we ask this question here or next episode? Because we're dealing with a, a, a kind of a weird I, trilogy here of like, would you I, want I it to continue? Would you want a Hot Fuzz too? Would I want another? Entry into Hot the Coronado Fuzz. trilogy. Yes. Well, that's different. We'll do. We'll do that. We'll, well, I know. That's I know. Next question. I know. I would, that's next episode. I, I understand. I understand. Would but you want no, specifically no, a Hot Fuzz too? No? no. Sam, what about you? I I think the answer is no. I think you've done enough with these guys, and yeah, you, know, you told your story. You can only do parody to a certain degree, and they kind of covered all that they needed to here. Homage. No. Yeah, yeah I, agree. I don't. I don't know parody. how you could possibly make a more satisfying movie than this with a sequel. But you know, if they, to be fair, I'm not gonna lie to you. If they announced Hot Fuzz two, you know, coming out I'd in 2025, there. I'd be there. Well, obviously I'd be there, but like I, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be upset. I wouldn't be upset. Angel and Butterman go back to London. <laughs> yeah, let's say you. The only way, yeah, you do something new by taking Danny to to London with with Sergeant Angel. You know, you or do you that. send Danny to the U.S. Is on the case. Danny gets sent to yeah. the U.S. where all his favorite action movies are made. Oh, that's how you do it. Yeah, that it would be interesting. Maybe you send you get the Andy. I need the Andes in the movie too, though, for it to work. Honestly, that would be my stipulation. I do need the Andes. Uh, yeah. All right, so I there's agree, a conference I, I don't that they need all a hot too, but I would I would take one. I would take one. I'm not gonna lie. I would. I'm a greedy little boy. I need it. Go Reno 911 style. Send them all to a police conference. <laughs> well, police team, conference. It's been real. It has. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Get a Load of This Movie, a movie franchise podcast. For all of you, I have been Corey. I you will continue Corey. to be. I hope. <laughs> I'm, I am, and I have been, and will continue to be, Zach. And, and Sam, Sam, thank you for joining us. Here. Sam was I appreciate here. it. I hope you're on the next episode. If not, I hope you're on the one after that. Be. We will he figure that be. out. But like, share, comment, all those things you guys hate to do. Do it anyway. And we'll see you next week. Peace. Peace.